and welcome to Faith Life 365, episode number 34. Now, if you've missed past episodes, go back, listen, get caught up with us. Uh, uh, also, visit the website at www.faithlife365.org. Uh, we have a blog, a podcast. You can watch a, a Rumble or YouTube channel. Uh, so go check out the website and, uh, and listen to all the past episodes there. So now, uh, today in this episode, we're going to continue talking about the end times. Let's say a prayer here and jump in with it. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you again, Father, that you're such an awesome God. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for giving us this opportunity to look at the end time prophecies within your word, to look at the current events, to look at things around us, to open our eyes and our ears, Father, that we may know you and know your word, Father. Lord, open our eyes and ears now. Give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Grow our faith, Father, as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So now, uh, in the last episode, uh, number 33, we left off. We were talking about the Gog and Magog war that was prophesied uh, in Ezekiel 38. Um, and uh, we're going to pick back up um, with that. Uh, I also talked about some other things going on, current events um, uh, as far as we were, we were talking about the new chips and the scanners and the, uh, the different technologies and stuff that are out there. Um, but let's pick up, and I want to continue looking at the prophecy of the Gog and the Magog War. Um, and so the prophecy uh, continues in chapter 39. It's Ezekiel chapter 39, verses 1 through 6. And uh, this is the English Standard Version, and I am going to read some rather long scriptures again, so to bear with me, because we're going we're to see how this all plays in here. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn you about and drive you forward and bring you up from the uttermost parts of the north and lead you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will strike your bow from your left hand and will make your arrows drop out of your right hand. You shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your hordes and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall in the open field, for I have spoken, declares the Lord God. I will send fire on Magog and on those who dwell securely in the coastlands, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, in Ezekiel 39, uh, verses 11 through 20, this is the English Standard Version. On that day, I will give to Gog a place for burial in, the, in Israel, the valley of the travelers east of the sea. It will block the travelers, for there Gog and all his multitude will be buried. It will be called the valley of Hamongog for seven months. The house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. All the people of the land will bury them, and it will bring them renown on the day that I show my glory, declares the Lord God. They will set apart men to travel through the land regularly and bury those travelers remaining on the face of the land so as to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make their search, and when these travel through the land and anyone sees a human bone, then he shall set up a sign by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamangog. Hamanoah, 
is also the name of the city. Thus shall they cleanse the land. As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to the birds of every sort and to all the beasts of the field, assemble and come, gather from all around to the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you, a great sacrificial feast on the mountains of Israel, and you shall eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, of he goats, of bulls, all of them fat beasts of Bashan. And you shall eat fat till you are filled and drink blood till you are drunk at the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. And you shall be filled at my table with horses and charioteers, with mighty men and all kinds of warriors, declares the Lord God. Now in Ezekiel 38, God said he would put a hook in Gog's jaw and drag them into war. In Ezekiel 39, God says, I will turn you about and bring you from the uttermost parts of the north. The uttermost parts of the north of Israel is Russia. So Russia, along with Iran, Turkey, Sudan, and possibly Germany, according to the prior scriptures, will come against Israel to seize great spoil, but they will swiftly and soundly be defeated. Now God said, I will strike the bow from your left hand and will make your arrows drop out of your right hand. God Almighty is going to defeat these nations coming against Israel. Not only is he going to defeat them, it will take seven months to bury the dead. See, God is calling on the birds of the air and the beasts of the field to come feast on the dead bodies to clean the land. So now let's take a look at modern day and let's take a look at how could that possibly be accomplished? Well, Israel has approximately 38 predatory birds that live and breed uh, in Israel uh, and, uh, on a yearly basis. Uh, that's a large number of predatory birds for the size of Israel. Think of the state of New Jersey. And these birds have been increasing and increasing in population over the past few years. Um, however, this is but a drop in the bucket compared to the number of birds that fly through Israel. So let's take a look here. Uh, CNN travel headline by Nick Robertson. This is published on April the 9th of 2014. The headline says, A modern-day wonder in the Sea of Galilee, Israel's hotspot for migratory birds. Heritez.com headline, Israel's 500 million birds, the world's eighth wonder. German journalist and photographer Thomas Krummenacker was amazed by the bird migrations he witnessed in Israel. He couldn't help but write a book on the subject. Another headline, BBC News article, Bird Watchers Find Heaven in Superhighway Israel by Don Donenson. That's the BBC News Hula Valley of Northern Israel. Now here's an excerpt uh, from, from this article. It says, bird migration is big in Israel. Per square kilometer, the country has one of the highest levels of bird traffic in the world. Every autumn, over 500 million birds cross Israel's airspace heading south to warming weather in Africa. Israel sits on the junction of three continents, says Dr. Yossi Leshem, director of Israel's International Center for the Study of Bird Migration. Politically, it's a disaster, but for bird migration, it's heaven. We have a huge bird bottleneck, a super highway, Dr. Lesham explains. 
He says that most birds prefer to fly over land when migrating, and it allows them to save energy by flying using warm thermal air rising off of the land below. So let's think about that. 500 million birds migrating north and south over Israel. Now, that would actually be 1 billion birds flying over Israel in a year, in addition to the birds that live in Israel year-round. That's, that's pretty amazing. And not all of these 500 million birds are flesh-eating birds, yet many of them are. So again, God's Word can easily be fulfilled with this number of birds feasting to clean the land. So let's say, what about fish in the Dead Sea? Ezekiel 47, uh, verses 6 through 12, this is the New Living Translation. He asked me, Have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea. All the way from En Gedi to En Eglium, the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea, just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Now, let's look at Israel, or Israel 365 news. The woman behind the viral Dead Sea prophecy come into life. This is by Adam I can't say his name, E-L-I-Y-A-H-U, uh, Berkowitz, July 28th of 2016, and this is under Biblical News. Now, this is an excerpt from the article. On Wednesday, Breaking Israel News reported to the world the discovery of freshwater ponds teeming with fish and wildlife on the shores of the Dead Sea, precisely as written in the prophets with a viral article that was viewed over 140,000 times and shared 22,000 times in 24 hours. This inexplicable phenomenon has gone entirely unnoticed by scientists and the media, and no mention of it can be found on the Internet. The story behind the story is a Jew, a young woman of simple faith and a love of land of Israel, who had the eyes to see what no one else could. Samantha, Samantha Siegel, a remarkable young woman originally from America, lives in the uh, Nachlot neighborhood, as N-A-C-H-L-A-O-T, in Jerusalem, an enclave where artists and Orthodox Jews live side by side in ancient buildings. A frequent visitor to the Dead Sea, Siegel related to Breaking Israel News how she first realized she was witnessing a realization of prophecy. Last year, when I saw the fish in the pond, I remembered the prophecy, but I didn't realize the significance, Siegel explained. I wasn't really blown away. I just thought, gee, that's pretty cool. The Dead Sea's coming back to life. A few months later, when I reread the prophecy, it clicked, 
she continued. Once you see it, the connection is so undeniable. It's right in front of your face. Uh, like Isaac Newton's acryful discovery of gravity by way of an apple falling on his head or Alexander Fleming's uh, discovery of penicillin, a serendipitous accident which occurred after a Petri dish was mistakenly left open in his lab. Siegel's discovery uh, was unlooked but earth-shattering. So the prophecy was apparent down to the smallest detail. Uh, and this ends the quote. I apologize for my terrible reading there. But you can see another prophecy has been fulfilled. This is amazing. And not only if you go back and look uh, at, at what the, the prophecy stated, but the fact that there are fish now living. And this, this article uh, was written in 2016. So now, you know, we're five years beyond that. And uh, how this has grown and how many more fish or how this is coming about um, is, is just amazing. But if you look at the time and day that we're living in, also go back and note that this was totally ignored by the scientists and the media. And, and I've seen nothing else of it. Just keep that in mind. We have fish now in the Dead Sea as prophesied, and, and, and I would look for the trees that are now going to start growing and everything else in that prophecy to be happening in the very near future. So let's turn our attention now to another area uh, that's often a front-runner topic whenever one talks about the end times, uh, and that is the mark of the beast. So Revelations chapter 13 uh, verses 16 through 18, the New Living Translation. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, this topic has been at the forefront of conversations for many, many years. How will this work? How can this work? How could you stop someone from buying and selling without a mark? Now, George uh, Lauer, uh, L-A-U-R-E-R, is the inventor of the Universal uh, Partition Barcode and the Uniform Product Code known as the UPC. Now, many years ago, this was back in 1974, the first UPC scanner was installed at Marsh's Supermarket in Troy, Ohio, and a little pack of Wrigley's gum was the first product with a barcode that was printed uh, uh, on the packaging. And this code uh, printed on the package allowed the cashier to swipe the package over the scanner, and the price of the item was added to the cash register tally, which is, you know, common for everybody today. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, you you asked somebody to do a cash register, and they'd push buttons and, do, do, and pull a handle, ching, and make a noise, and that's how you added things. Well, if you look at the kids today, you know, when you, you, they're playing playing grocery store or playing store or anything, they're just ring, beep, beep, you know, and they slide their stuff across. So uh, I guess that means I'm getting old. But that is the changing times. So um, uh, anyway, I... To explain that, you know, I mean, when I was when I was growing up, that's what you would have to do. You push the number button for the item. You'd have to look on it and see how much it cost and enter that and pull it down. And then it would tally it up and and it would ring you up at the end and give you a tally. Um, 
So you would do this for each item, and when you were done, it would give you a tally, and you'd pull the handle, and it would make a ching sound, and then the cash drawer would fly open, and you would have to make change. You would actually have to count money. There was nothing up there that told you how much change to give the person. Uh, things have changed a whole lot nowadays. Uh, you pull a paper receipt off the top and hand that to the customer. So um, anyway, the machine did not do everything for you. And, um, you, you know, it, it, is, it is funny when you, if you're of my age and you watch now how things have changed. Uh, so I'm going to digress off of this and move along. Uh, but one would think that all of humanity would have eagerly embraced the UPC scanner. Uh, it makes life pretty simple for scanning and going. You're not standing there trying to find it. You know, I know sometimes they have to find where the UPC is, but you're not having to try to find the price for each article. Um, but that wasn't the case. See, that was a problem with the universal uh, partition barcode that had many people up in arms, uh, even calling Mr. Lauer uh, the Antichrist. Because, you see, every barcode that appears... Um, it has the number 666 encoded into it. So the first number on the bar equates to a 6, and the middle, there's a middle bar that equates to a 6, and then the end bar equates to a 6. So actually, uh, if, if you look at the two, uh, the first two bars, uh, the middle bars separating the manufacturer code and the product code, and then the last two bars, these bars resemble the same bars used for the number 6. Anyhow. Mr. Lauer addressed this on his website uh, question and answer section, at question number eight. Rumor has it that the lines left, middle, and right that protrude below the UPC code are the number 666, and this is the international money code. I typed a code with all sixes, and this seems to be true. At least they all resemble sixes. What's up with that? His answer to that question was, yes, they do resemble the code for a six, and even parity six is. One module wide black bar, one module wide white space, one module wide black bar, four module wide white space. So there is nothing sinister about this, nor does it have anything to do with the Bible's mark of the beast, the New Testament, the Revelation chapter 13, paragraph 18. It's simply a coincidence like the fact that my first, middle, and last name all have six letters. There's no connection with an international money code either. Now, this was... Uh, Mr. Lauer's uh, or Lars' uh, explanation. And, and I fully believe he had no intention of the number 666 being part of the UPC design. It just happened that way uh, by coincidence. Uh, or did it? Uh, I, I don't believe he had anything sinister to do with it, but I believe that all things work for the purposes of the Lord God Almighty. So even though the barcode itself is clearly not the mark of the beast, it did open the door to the digital age. So where are we at today with this? See, today we're right on the precipice of the mark of the beast being able to become a reality. See, in a matter of possibly months, but certainly within a few years, digital currencies, uh, or as a, a minimum, credit and debit cards will become the primary means of doing business. Bitcoin and other digital currencies are becoming more and more popular. Uh, COVID-19 has brought on calls for the use of digital currency to avoid the use of paper money and coins that spread germs and viruses. Most people primarily use debit or credit cards now anyway. The U.S. Mint recently announced that they will phase out the production of new pennies beginning in late 2022. 
they will mint the last batch of pennies on April the 1st of 2023. Now, during the summer of 2020, many businesses stopped accepting cash and would only accept debit or credit card purchases due to coin shortages. Now, this statement is posted on the Federal Reserve webpage. It says, there is currently an adequate overall amount of coins in the economy, but businesses... Uh, but business and bank closures associated with the COVID-19 pandemic significantly disrupted the supply chain and normal circulation patterns for U.S. coins. This slowed the pace of circulation, uh, reduced available inventories in some areas of the country during 2020, quote unquote. Now, as we learn during 2020, it only takes a declared emergency of some sort to completely upend our economy and our way of life. The outbreak of the COVID-19 virus spread fear and panic across the world. Governments forced the closures of almost all businesses, churches, beaches, parks, athletic venues, gyms, uh, you name it. The mandated use of a digital currency could easily be put in place during such a declared global emergency. Even now, governments are trying to force experimental vaccines on people. You may have eagerly accepted the vaccine as, as a good thing, and that's for each individual to decide. Fear has led many people to embrace the idea of a vaccine. Now, I'm not against vaccines, so don't get me wrong there. There are many good vaccines out there. Uh, COVID-19 vaccines, as of the writing and the research of this, are experimental and are only being allowed under an emergency order. Now, They've not been fully tested and vetted. So in essence, the people of the world are being experimented on. Uh, is this a good thing? Um, there's several known medications that are proven to do an awesome job treating COVID-19. So is an untested experimental vaccine for a virus that can be treated with existing medications a good thing? I don't know. I have my opinion, and you will have to form your own opinion. Uh you know, the evidence is still out on this. We're just going to have to wait and, and, and see how it develops. China is currently developing a digital currency that has an expiration date. Now, many countries would love to use this type currency. And when times get bad, people tend to save money and not spend. See, the days of stuffing money in the mattress for a rainy day will be over. Uh, with this type of digital currency, you will have to spend the money by a certain date or lose it. So... With digital currency, the government will be able to always know exactly how much money you have and where you're spending it. Now, I imagine governments will proclaim the digital currency will be cut back, you know, it'll cut back on crime and the sale of illegal drugs, um, as they'll be able to track all of that. And no doubt there is some truth to that. Yet, they will also be able to track everything you buy and sell. They will be able to confiscate any taxes you owe directly from any digital currency or receive that's in your account. And yes, eventually, uh, the Antichrist will be able to cut you off from buying and selling if you refuse his mark. That means starvation at the least if you can't buy food. So how could this possibly come into effect? Uh, is the technology there? Well, Amazon is using digital technology at their Amazon Go and Amazon Go grocery stores. These stores have no cashiers. So here's an explanation of how they work directly from the Amazon website. They say, we created the world's most advanced shopping technology so you never have to wait in line. Our checkout free shopping experience is made possible by the same types of technologies used in self-driving cars, computer vision, sensor fusion, and deep learning. 
just walk-out technology automatically detects when products are taken from or returned to the shelves and keeps track of them in a virtual cart. When you're done shopping, you can just leave the store. Later, we'll send you a receipt and charge your Amazon account. No lines, no checkout. No, seriously. All you need is an Amazon account, the free Amazon Go app, and a recent generation iPhone or Android phone. You can find the Amazon Go app in the Apple App Store, Google Play, and Amazon App Store. When you arrive, use the app to enter the store, then feel free to put your phone away. You don't need it to shop. Then just browse and shop like you would any other store. Once you're done shopping, you're on your way. No lines, no checkout. Now this ends their quote. So this technology is currently processed by using an app on your phone. This type shopping is very convenient. Amazon is marketing this technology to other retailers, and I imagine you'll begin to see this uh, coming or becoming more the normal means of shopping in the near future. Uh, you, you go into any store now, go into Walmart, Lowe's, or any of the, your major stores, uh, Costco's, um, yeah, I don't whoever, just you, you name your major store, uh, self-checkout. Uh, many of the Walmarts, you, you can't even find a cashier now. You've got to go, you have to go through self-checkout. Uh, this is becoming more the norm. You're going to start seeing more kiosks in McDonald's and these other places. You just go up and push buttons. Uh, they're, they're, they're getting rid of the, uh, the people and going to the computers. So this is on its way. Now, once this is in place, how difficult will it be to simply implant a chip in your hand or your forehead containing all of your digital information? You won't need a phone. Uh, forgot your debit or credit card? No worries. Uh, you're scanned when you walk in and you're charged when you walk out. And how awesomely convenient is that? Yeah. I mean, it is. It is awesomely convenient. But you know what? Guess what? As we're speaking of this, Euro Weekly News. The Swedes get futuristic high-tech implants in their hands to replace cash and credit cards, eliminating coronavirus contact. Now, here's an excerpt from this article. People in Sweden are having a high-tech futuristic microchips planted into their skin to help them carry out everyday activities and replace credit cards and cash. More than 4,000 people have already had the high-tech chips about the size of a grain of rice inserted into their hands with the pioneers predicting millions will soon join them as they hope to take it global. Hmm, how about that? That's my insert. Using the implants makes cash and credit cards redundant and massively reduces the risk of transmitted infections by the coronavirus, end quote. So let me say again, how about that? It's happening. It's coming. And it would be convenient. I don't deny the fact of convenience. But the point I'm making is open your eyes and see and open your ears and hear. Because once these things take place, it'll be very easy to shut your chip off so that you can't buy in a store or you can't sell. Now, these implantable chips, they're common already. Many people have much less technical versions of it implanted in their animals, so you can find them if they get lost. Um, so the technology is currently in place for the end-time prophecies of the Bible to be implemented. So never before in history could the prophecies have been fulfilled because the technologies didn't exist. Until the technologies that exist today came along, you couldn't cut people off globally from buying or selling. As we're still using paper money and coins, uh, it's, it's still not possible for the immediate time, uh, but it's, it's almost. I mean, they could cut you off from a lot. 
But the technologies are in place and we're rapidly moving to this digital currency. We're literally watching this happen every day. The question is, are we paying attention and heeding the Word of God? Consider uh, the virus of 2019 and the procedures that's been put in place by governments and governors just in the United States, or uh, I mean, and around the world. In, in many places, you couldn't, and, and uh, well, as of the, the research and writing of this, you can't go into a store and purchase basic needs or purchase needs without uh, wearing a mask. I'll not get into the topic of mass and their effectiveness or the lack thereof and the fact that there's no scientific studies which back this theory or the six-foot social distancing policy either. Yet, here we are with the majority of people in the world just accepting these policies without question. And those who do question and resist are ostracized. Is the handling of the virus of 2019 a small preview of how the mark of the beast may roll out to the world? Is there another world crisis possibly coming soon? As of May uh, 2021, you can't fly to Europe without proof you've been vaccinated for the virus. There are major pushes in America not to allow people into events or certain places unless they can show that they've been vaccinated with an unproven experimental vaccine. And many good-intentioned people are all for this, aside from the fact that it's against U.S. law to force people. It's not against the law for you to take it or experimental vaccine. That's what it's there for under emergency condition. And you need to make your own decisions as to the validity of it or how well you feel about it. But because of this, family members are turning against family members, friends against friends, coworkers against coworkers, neighbors against neighbors, all over receiving or not receiving a vaccine. See, fear can cause ordinary and otherwise sound-minded people to do and accept things that otherwise would be completely unacceptable. Just, it's just a little bit of food for thought. Or, or necessity of you have to travel, so you have to do this. You, you have to have a job, so you have to do this. I get it. I understand it. But can you see how this can easily lead to the events of what's prophesied in the end times? So without getting too deep in the weeds, supercomputers, the Internet, satellites, 5G technologies, these, these all currently allows for the instant tracking of phones, credit cards, uh, with chip technology, um, certain vehicles, you name it. The technologies are there. And to boot, there's already no fly lists. Now that was for reasons of terrorism and things of that nature, but how easy would it be to put your name on a no-fly list You've not been vaccinated, you've not received this, or you've not taken a mark, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. But it will not be hard to implement a no-buy or a no-sell policy in the very near future. Now, that's all for this episode. I want you to join me in episode number 35, if I've not been banned yet, as we continue to talk about the end time prophecies. Now, we'll pick up right here where we left off. I want to thank you for listening and may God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.